Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, the radio show all about traveling like a boss by being your own boss. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have built their own online businesses. If you would like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit travellikeabosspodcast.com for instant access. And here's your host, Johnny SD. So guys, it's Johnny and welcome to episode 8 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I'm here in Chiang Mai with my buddy Nick Gregoratis. Uh, he's the owner and the founder of uh, the Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood and I met uh, Nick in Phuket about five years ago when I first read the 4-Hour Workweek and first came out, so I'm really happy to have you on board, baby. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I mean, there was so much wrong about that introduction, I don't even know where to begin, right. but uh, let's let's run with it. Okay. Um how you been, Johnny? Yeah, uh, things are really good, and it's it's striking how different our lives are. Both of our, both our lives are since then. Mm -hmm. I remember when I met you um, five years ago. We both knew about the Four Hour Work Week and Tim Ferriss, and we both actually had websites, but we hadn't really monetized them, and it was still a, a really distant dream. Yeah. And today we are traveling like respective bosses. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. And my life is a waking dream. Yeah, and speaking of Tim Ferriss, a uh, big shout out to him for writing the 4-Hour Workweek mm -hmm. and also for basically introducing me to Nick because that's how we met. Yeah, it was your pickup line, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. You're like, hey man, you look like an author I know called Tim Ferriss. And, and we uh, instantly hit it off. Yeah, in my mind I was thinking, please don't be gay, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you turned out to be a pretty cool dude. I appreciate that, you as well. Yeah. Uh, so for those who don't know, uh, Nick is a world-class jiu-jitsu instructor. Uh, he's the um, Hoist Gracie, no Hoist Gracie. Roger, yeah, it, Roger Gracie. Yeah, Roger Gracie's first black belt ever and just kind of you know, well-known in the jiu-jitsu community as, as one of the best. Uh, and I had the pleasure of uh, learning uh, a bit under under Nick. I was taking a group class and uh, at Tiger Muay Thai in Phuket in Thailand. And uh, when you were you just visiting or what were you doing there? Yeah, buddy, I was um, on vacation in Thailand. I was teaching a, a seminar at Tiger Muay Thai. And so, yeah, I think that's where we ran into each other, right? You were you're taking the seminar. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm still white belt after about five years. Um, yeah, but you're a badass in Muay Thai. I mean, what are you, like a brown belt in Muay Thai? <laughs> Is that the yeah. equivalent? Well, we don't really have a uh, belt system, but, you know, I've had, you know, I guess I've had some uh, competition experience under my, my Muay Thai gi or Muay Thai shorts, whatever you call it. And that, that counts for a lot, man. I mean, yeah, I that counts that. more than anything. Yeah, and it's, you know, and it's been really a fun journey as well. And uh, I really do think that the combination of Muay Thai for for stand up and Jiu Jitsu for you know for grappling and for ground fighting is is really the ultimate. Mm -hmm. I guess um, MMA has become greater than the sum of its parts. Hey, doggy! Yeah, really, so, <laughs> really cool little dogs just run up to sniff us. Yeah, so we were sitting outside of Pun Space in the garden. Um, I mean, what, what, do, what do you think of this little area? Man, this is as close to paradise as it gets. If we had a, a swimming pool and a bunch of chicks in bikinis, it would probably be as good as it could get. You know, I, I do have a swimming pool, and there's going to be a bunch of chicks in bikinis. <laughs> uh, so come hang out anytime you want in my, <laughs> my hotel. Uh, sign me up. All right. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'm, big, I'm a huge fan of MMA, of watching UFC. And coming out to Thailand that first time was really just for me to, to live that dream of, you know, being that ultimate fighter house <laughs> and, and, you know, and just practicing th this skill. Um, it must have been really difficult for you because I still remember our first conversation about martial arts and you said something along the lines of um, you had played a bunch of video games as a kid. So you you reckoned that you knew how to fight already. You were like, <laughs> how hard can this be? Like boxing's just 
just hitting someone that sounds like a joke and then when you realize just how much training and footwork and head movement and discipline goes into becoming a, a fighter you you change your tune yeah absolutely I, it is one of the hardest things in the world to do uh, especially because it's not only is it a competitive sport it's a competitive sport where someone's you know trying to knock your head off and really trying to hurt you mm-hmm. and there's not that many you know sports out there like that um i mean the reason why you have a ball in in football or baseball or whatever is i mean that is taking the punishment basically yeah it's interesting there's something that i notice about people who have trained functional martial arts um for a reasonable amount of time and that is that they they just seem to carry themselves in a different way because they they have a, an intrinsic sense of self-confidence that an untrained person usually doesn't have and i think that for someone who's traveling the world like you you're doing it's an invaluable thing it's it's almost like an invisible shield of armor that you take with you it really is i i have not been in a single fight like a street fight or a bar fight mm-hmm. since i started learning uh, muay thai and jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. and and the, I mean, the crazy thing is, I mean, yeah, it could be that. It could be people can kind of just sense it. Of course um, they can. You know, because I'm not the type to go out and start anything. But before I learned any of this, you know, once in a while, you know, someone's drunk guy would come up to you and something would happen. Mm-hmm. And I then, you know, I'd be scared because back then, ten, five, ten years ago, I had no idea how to actually defend myself. But now that I do, I think they, they could see it in my eyes where they, they just know, yeah. hey, you know what? Maybe I, sh- you know, maybe it wouldn't be a good, a good idea. Yeah, you just carry yourself in a different way, and you you give off um, a different kind of vibe. And I think people who start fights are usually total pussies anyway, and they're always looking for a weak target. So you clearly aren't that, and that's probably why they don't start with you. Yeah, and you know the best thing about it is not even to defend myself. It's now I'm in a position where if someone is uh, trying to hurt someone that's weaker, um, or you know someone that can't defend themselves. Mm-hmm. I, now I'm I'm very confident to step in, and a couple of examples have been, you know, there's you know these drunk guys who were were you know messing with their girl, and you know she's like a skinny German girl, you know, and she doesn't, you know, she normally, I wouldn't want to jump in the middle of these drunk guys harassing someone if it wasn't had nothing to do with me, but now I have the the power to be able to to go in and be like, hey, you know, you guys just you know back off and not be afraid that if it does come down to it, I'd be able to defend myself. Yeah, you're a badass now, Johnny. A yeah. certifiable <laughs> badass. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, you know, you're, you were mentioning earlier that it's a very, very good skill to have while you're traveling because even though it's actually very, very safe out here, I, I'm, I've actually gotten less, you know, less situations out here in Thailand, which is people, you know, consider a third world country than I do in Los Angeles or any, in any other big city in the U.S. That's very interesting. Yeah, I've never felt especially in danger in Thailand, but I, I've heard that if you if you cross the line and insult locals and insult their customs or do something um, that warrants it, they will kick the crap out of you. Yeah, and they will. And you know, it, I I would say ninety nine percent of the time, the the guy that gets his butt kicked, it was his fault. It's his fault because yeah. he's this drunk asshole who just you know he he's coming into their their country, their culture, and just. You know, just just trampling over yeah. their their customs, but not even just that. Just you know, just disrespecting people. And yeah, yeah you know, the the local ties do take it way too far. Uh, but at the same time, I've never heard of anyone getting their you know face smashed in if they were if it wasn't three a.m. and they were drunk. Yeah, you, know? you don't like hear about guys in shopping malls who are shopping for a new file of facts, getting the crap kicked out of yeah. them. It just well, doesn't happen. I mean, even if you walk home, you know. At a, a normal time, like let's say after let's say after dinner, you decide to go to the Mac store, buy a thousand dollar computer, and you want to walk home with it, you're not going to get robbed. Like, it, it's almost 
unheard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it's through, you know, four in the morning and you're chasing the night, you know, and you're drunk and you're being, you know, you're basically just being a pompous guy. Uh, yeah, I could definitely see you getting your face mashed in. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be doing that. Yeah. So Nick, you're originally from South Africa, uh, and then you've been, you've been, you relocated to London, mm-hmm. and then now you're kind of traveling around. Tell us a little story about that. Um, yeah, buddy, I moved to London because I just wanted to broaden my horizons. I guess it's like anyone who comes from a relatively small place, they, they get bored of it and they just want to see the world. Um, so I moved out to London because I have a European Union passport and that allows me to stay there indefinitely. And I spent 10 years just growing my network and basically learning how to be an adult um, because I had lived up at home up until then. Um, I spent those 10 years training jiu-jitsu as well getting my black belt um and a few months ago um i mean for the past couple of years i've been traveling a few times a year um internationally to teach jiu-jitsu and for certain other projects and i enjoyed it so much i thought to myself london's really expensive the weather's really crap why don't i just take a year out to um to enjoy myself and grow my businesses and and uh travel teaching seminars and i've i've been doing that and it's it's worked out pretty well and here i find myself in thailand with you you know, that, that's a, kind of a similar uh, monetization strategy that I started out with where I wanted to travel the world scuba diving. So I, I got to a black belt level in, in scuba diving, mm-hmm. which is a lot easier than getting to a black belt level in jiu-jitsu. Uh, and, but I was able to just travel around the world and make money and just teaching. Um, but that that after a few years of that, it did get very old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a lot, it's very frustrating, it's very stressful, very time-consuming, mm-hmm. uh, which is why... I started uh, making money online with uh, my e-commerce store and okay. then now with uh, some new ventures. And you're doing something similar as well where uh, you kind of just fell into, well, I, actually, you know, I, I really don't think we fall into anything in, in life. I think I really believe that everything that we do, everyone we meet, it somehow comes back and, you know, it, it's, it paves this, this path of life for us. I thought, you were, I thought we weren't going to talk about spiritual <laughs> stuff on today's show, Johnny. Um, well, these are implementable spiritual <laughs> things. No, I... I um, I agree with you. I mean, I I still love teaching jiu-jitsu and it's nothing gives me greater pleasure than going somewhere and teaching a seminar. But sitting in London and teaching 10 or 12 classes a week that was making me lose lose the love for what I did and lose the passion for what I did and um I really ever since I read the 4-hour work week I've known that having a passive income stream was the way forwards for my lifestyle and the kind of person I am and I find that the, my online business and my real-world business, uh, they're mutually, well, they, they're complementary. So, for example, when I go somewhere and teach a seminar to 30 or 40 guys, and then I tell them, go on my site and check out my stuff, they're much more likely to buy it because I've built some level of trust with them. And so there's, there's good synergy there. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so for a lot of you know people that teach martial arts, they're offline only and it's really great that you have jujitsubrotherhood.com mm-hmm. where people can go on to read articles watch videos uh, buy these badass geese uh, and you know and really just you know be part of the brotherhood no matter where they live in the world um, but what's really cool is you know your other online business where you you, you started with one of your was it one of your students in jujitsu? Yeah, one of my students is a very highly qualified accidents and emergencies doctor i think in the u.s the equivalent of accidents and emergencies is known as er or emergency room and um he came to me one day and said uh, i know you've got this online jujitsu business and uh i i'm pretty sure we could there are these sites offering medical exams um for subscription on a subscription basis and maybe the two of us should 
combine our, our expertise and we should start a, a website selling these exams. And at first I thought, mm, maybe this is a good idea, maybe it's not, but I'll give it a try. And it turned out to be quite lucrative and it's, um, it's become a, a very profitable business. And I really like the fact that there's no, there's no stock and there's, um, there's very little overheads because it's an information-based product. And it's so cool being in Chiang Mai with, with you and Kurt and all the guys and watching just how they tweak the model of selling information-based products online. And I've realized that there's so much scope for improvement in what I'm doing. It's a nice feeling. Uh, that's really fantastic. And it's, your story actually reminds me a lot of Pat Flynn's story. I don't know if you read the, the book Let Go. I haven't. Sounds interesting, though. It's very interesting. It's also only about 40 pages. <laughs> so okay. the, the whole summary of it is a guy named Pat Flynn, was a, he was an architect, had to t- pass this really difficult exam uh, called the Leeds exam, which is a, a green uh, exam. And he made a blog um, about it where, where he basically went through the some test questions and this like a study guide. Um, and it was just a blog. Ended up getting laid off and during that those last couple of months of just not working and not needing another job, he discovered that he gets tons of traffic to his blog. And he ended up just writing an ebook course um, on how to study for this exam. Very similar to your, he's almost, I mean, very parallel to your story almost, mm-hmm. um, where now he, he makes a ton of money from that as an online business. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to bring it back to the, the spiritual side of things again, just to piss you off. Right. Um, so... It's something that I understood a while back, which is a, it's like a universal law, which is the more you give, the more you get. And when I started the Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood, I was just writing articles about my, my experiences in training and teaching and, and learning Jiu-Jitsu. And uh, that, I mean, it's grown and grown, but most of the stuff on my site is free. And I've realized that what you, the fact that it's been free and the fact that I've given so much and put so much effort into it without expecting anything in return, funnily enough, it's brought me so many opportunities and it's made me a lot more friends and a lot more income and a lot more opportunities than it would have if I just tried to, to hold everything back. And it's the same thing with the sound, by the sounds of it, it's the same thing with your friend Pat Flynn. He just puts stuff out there. And I'm starting to realize that people who do live the four-hour work week are usually adding value to society and adding value to people's lives. Like I'm pretty sure that this podcast you're doing now, it's going to lead to something cool for you because you're putting good energy out there. How many people are listening to this and it's inspiring them to take the first step to start their business and, and move forwards? And the feedback has been fantastic for this podcast. I mean, it's only been a couple of weeks and I've already gotten these emails and I showed you one over lunch. Uh, there's a guy that I never spoke to before. He, uh, he f- first found me through your podcast, Nick, which mm-hmm. is The Journey Podcast. Yeah. Thejourneypodcast.com, by the way. Yeah. And uh, what episode was mine? Uh, you were number four, buddy. Okay, so lucky number four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, yeah, so he heard my podcast there. And so for, for you guys who kind of want to know backstory about me and, and you know how I came about, I mean, listen to that. It's a great episode. Um, but th- so this guy listened to it. And he found my blogs. Uh, he found johnnyfd.com. I guess he found this podcast. And he, I guess he connected enough where he wrote me a five-page email. Mm-hmm. And the beginning of the email started off, you know, hey, I never met you before, and I hope you don't find this, uh, you know, a bit intrusive. But I really connected with your story, and he was telling me about his life in uh, the Isle of Man, which is in England, the UK somewhere, sorry, um, just below England, I believe. And he, you know, just volunteered to help me edit some of my the grammar of my, my blog posts. And he, he said that, you know, um, 
I don't, you know, it's basically the, the reason why the grammar is so bad on it is I just like to create. I just like to publish, you know, I like to write and I like to publish. And I know it would be good if I spent the time proofreading and handing an editor, but I just want to put, the, you know, content out there because I love it. And, you know, he, you know, he reminded me, he's like, hey, you know, it, it's a better reading experience for people if you also have it, you know, clearly organized. And there was something that's been on the back of my mind for a long time is the first draft of 12 Weeks in Thailand um, had a lot of grammar mistakes. Um, you, you, you read the book, Nick. Yeah, I love that book. I absolutely love it. I think the, the takeaway point for one of the takeaway points readers could get from what you've just said is I know that myself and a large portion of uh, our generation and, and those educated in developed nations, we suffer from the curse of perfectionism, right? And you don't start anything because you fear that you're not going to be able to do it perfectly or get it completely right. But that's not the way things work. You know, you just have to start somewhere and start. You have to just take that first step. And that's the way projects get going. You know, you're never going to get right the first time. Yeah, and, and I really believe that's really true. Mm-hmm. I mean, this podcast came out came from a thought to imp- implementation within a week, and I had I just started recording podcasts with everyone that I knew, and everyone that I've ever wanted to interview started visiting me. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I mean, like you, Nick, for example, you just emailed me a few days ago saying, "Hey, buddy, I'm gonna come visit you in Chiang Mai." But that's not because of the podcast. That's because you're extremely <laughs> handsome. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. But I mean, it's just you know, it's almost like fate is bring bringing all my great friends out here. I mm-hmm. mean, the crew right now is just spectacular. I mean, we got Anton, who's the you know e-commerce master, the guy who taught me single-handedly how to go from having having hundred fifty dollars a month in online income to having over four thousand a month within two months, which is insane. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, and he did it all. I mean, he's never asked me for anything. I mean, he just ha- continues to help, and it's crazy. He helps people. Like, I mean, this weekend we had a uh, startup weekend. It's called a. It's a fifty-five hour buildathon where these guys, um, you know, that entrepreneurs out in Chiang Mai decided to open up their house, uh, just have breakfast cooked every morning, smoothies all day, fresh coconuts for everyone, well, they have fiber optic internet, and say, hey, over this this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, let's all help each other build build our businesses. And, you know, Anton came, he wasn't even, you know, working on anything himself. He was He's in kind of just chill out mode. And he just went and helped everyone with, with their businesses. And it was, it was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I guess on some level, he understands that the more you give, the more you get. Yeah. You know, and, you know, like, you're here, my, my buddy Sonic's out here. Uh, he's... Uh, my friend from Indiana, and he's out here. Uh, he owns a couple of restaurants back in the U.S., and he's out here. He decided he's like, hey, you know, I don't want to co- just come out for ten days. I want to be able to come out for a couple months. So this whole weekend, he randomly just decided to start, join that startup weekend as well. And you know, now he's building a, his own online business using uh, the e-commerce model as well. Um, but yeah, so so I definitely agree that you know, you when things are going well more abundance comes in. I mean, the greatest example of that is when we were walking um, after lunch, I just found money on the ground. And it's been happening to me a lot lately. I found, you know, I found over a thousand baht, which is, you know, in Thailand, you know, could basically take you out to the nicest meal for, you know, a couple a couple nice meals out. Yeah, yeah. And now that I don't even need this money, it just comes to me. Versus five months ago when I was here and I was broke and I would love to have found a thousand baht, it wasn't there. Yeah, I mean, I'm blown away that you're talking about all the spiritual stuff, Johnny, because you gave me explicit instructions <laughs> before we started that under no circumstances was I to mention any of it. And here you are sounding like Deepak Chopra. Um, 
But I agree, man. It's life's a funny thing. There's these weird, almost rules that that nature seems to follow. And with money, one of them is the the more you have, the more you get. And like attracts like. It's I guess that law of attraction which has been done to death. And I I feel it's been kind of abused a little bit. But um, I think the Bible says those who have have are given more, and those who have not. Uh, it's taken away from them and it's true when you're broke you, you can't fucking get money for anything no matter what you do you're just not gonna it just money doesn't come to you as soon as you have a little bit in the bank it starts to flow more easily towards you so i understand why you're finding money on the street um, well even the banks themselves when you have a lot of money in the bank they don't charge you any fees ever mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. as soon as you're broke that's when all the fees start coming and start you it's know crazy, when you yeah. yeah and it's the it's the worst time i mean because if you only have 150 dollars in the bank and they start charging you 30 dollars a month it's a huge hit but if you have ten thousand in the bank and they were charging 30 bucks a month it wouldn't be a big deal but they just don't do it because you know and it's crazy and that's why i really really encourage everyone to just never be in that in that position ever mm-hmm. you know um even when i was really young i saved up all my money i just you know every time i had birthday money or <laughs> you know or graduation money i just okay. saved it up and in my mind a thousand dollars meant zero so my bank account anytime it dropped under a thousand i would assume i'm in debt and it was a really good mentality. And that way, I always had this buffer. Interesting. How were you like with money growing up? Uh, that's a very good question, Johnny. Um, if I think back to my childhood and, and even my uh, my early 20s, money was always scarce. You know, my parents were, were um, reasonably wealthy people, but they sure as hell um, didn't spoil us. Um, and I remember money always being something I didn't have enough of, like... I had these big ideas and plans and money was always a limiting factor and I really hope to get to the point in my life where money isn't a limiting factor to me and I see how some of the guys out here live and and they're living that reality and it's very encouraging and exciting for me to to see that but here's the thing Nick is you're here right now living the exact same life as them it's true and you do have money coming in every uh-huh. month online uh-huh. and you know there's always going to be a want for more but you know, I I really encourage you and everyone listening that you know to to enjoy exactly where you are right now and realize that exactly the way you are right now is perfect for right now. At this very moment, you cannot be any more perfect than you are sitting here. Johnny, just stop with the spiritual stuff, okay? <laughs> <laughs> When's it gonna end? <laughs> no, but you're you're right, dude. It's it's all about learning to enjoy the present moment, and that's something that the four-hour lifestyle is big into because if you think of how the average person who lives in the the old paradigm exists they work their whole life whether it be 60 or 70 years or 65 years with the intention of enjoying the last five ten years during retirement and that to me is the complete opposite of living in the moment that's permanently living in the future that may or may never come and how many people save and plan and work for their whole retirement and then either die as soon as they stop working or have their retirement fund raped by Enron or whoever they put it into or just find out that they're too old to enjoy themselves and enjoy all this money that they saved and I think uh, there's got to be a middle ground. I definitely want everyone listening to this to just take action and you know and ask yourselves how bad do I want freedom yeah and for me I was in a very desperate situation so I had no other choice to then to spend two months just focusing and building and not going out, not drinking, not eating, you know, I mean, I, you know, not going out to eat nice food, not staying in nice places, not, not, you know, not spending money on anything and just spending all my time, eight to 10 hours a day, just trying to build my online business. And 
now that I, that's done, I'm so happy. I mean, I, I'm my life is completely different than mm-hmm. than just even even five months ago. I noticed that's the first thing you said to me when I saw you on this trip a couple of days ago. Is you just went, my life is so different, and um, I can see that. I'm really happy for you, dude. I really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for the uh, people listening out there, I don't want you to feel, you know. The, the worst thing you could ever ever feel is envious or thinking, oh, I, you know, I wish I could do that or mm-hmm. I wish I was in that situation. So I'm going to give you guys two uh, two ways to actually just do this right now. All right. The, uh, the first is do is just follow my footsteps. Do exactly what I did. All right? I took Anton's course, um, which I'll link to it on, on the blog on, under show notes, and just follow it exactly. All right. And go into the private forums there. And I have a thread called uh, my progress step by step. And I had written out every single thing that I did almost every day during those first two months. And you can, you know, you can see exactly what I did, mm-hmm. my ups and downs, and you know, from making nothing to making my first sale and be so excited about it to being, you know, and then to optimizing it and being excited that I was, I was selling, you know, five thousand dollars worth of products a month. Uh, to re- then realizing a month later that that's nothing, and then when I started selling twenty k a month, all right. Or even better, if you got, if, let's say you have no money right now, right? You can't even afford to, you know, to do a three hundred dollar course. You and you want to live out here now. Let's say you want to move to Chiang Mai right now. Uh, be surrounded by all these cool people. Live this lifestyle. Live for cheap and focus on nothing but building a business. There's a job opportunity, an internship opportunity that my buddy Cameron, who works out of, uh, out of Pun Space out here, is offering. Right? He's gonna fly you out here for free. <laughs> He'll pay you a thousand dollars a month. Uh, so you can spend on all your living expenses. And I lived out here for $600 a month. So a thousand, you can live very easily out here. And, uh, you know, all you have to do is apply. And he's going to pick somebody uh, and he's going to pick them pretty soon. So go to this episode's show notes on Travel Like a Boss podcast and just apply. All he wants is a three minute video of you talking and saying why you want to come out. And he's absolutely legitimate. You know, this guy, he's he's built $100,000 companies in the past and the thing is, the only the only reason why he wants this is he is sick of hiring uh, people, you know, in India and other places that he can't talk to all the time, and he just wants someone there with him every day uh, during these first couple of months while building this business. Sounds like the ultimate internship. Yeah, and, and it's paid. You know, I mean, the, and here's the crazy part, right? I kept asking him, like, "Oh, how's it going?" And he's like, "Man, no, I don't know why nobody's applying for it or nobody wants this." And here's the thing: I met uh, a guy today. Um, that he came to lunch with us. He he was a listener to the podcast, and he he mentioned, "Hey, I'm in Chiang Mai, you know, you know, you know, can we meet up, grab a bite?" And I was like, "Yeah, you know, come along." Uh, went to this great salad place, and I told you know, and he was telling me, he's like, "Hey, yeah, I'm thinking about you know applying for that internship, uh, especially since I'm out here already, and you know, I'm, I want to learn these skills, and I, you know, I know that if I work for this guy for a few months or six months, I'm gonna learn everything I need to know to build my own uh, while getting paid for it." And I was like, yeah, you should definitely apply for it. And he's like, all right, cool. He's like, hey, should I just, um, should I just, you know, send him an email directly and, um, or just, you know, ask him, you know, you know, he basically wanted to sidestep the application process. He was like, hey, should I just, you know, f- you know, find this guy's Facebook or blah blah blah. And I was like, no, just, w- just apply for it, do what he says, and then if on top of that, you can all mention, hey, I'll, by the way, I'm also in Chiang Mai. If you want to grab a coffee. And the reason why I said that is. He, you know, he wants to know that you can follow instructions and, and you know, and because it works. I mean, there's so many things out there that that work and people just refuse to follow instructions. They, they're they looking for shortcuts all the time. Yeah, you used to be that guy a lot. I used to be Mr. Shortcut. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. We all did. I guess it's a sign of intelligence as well, though, looking for shortcuts because I remember um, Henry Ford, he used to do this thing in his factories. He used to say to his um, the managers of the different departments, 
You used to say, look at what the most lazy guy does and copy that because that's usually the most efficient way to do things. So I can kind of understand, I mean, the four-hour work week is ultimately about becoming as efficient as you can be. But I think that the title of that book is quite misleading because you may or may not get to a point where your business requires four hours of administrative time a week, but it's going to take 80-hour weeks for a long time before that to get it to that point. And I think a lot of people feel let down when they pick up that book and think that by the next week they're going to be on holiday in Thailand, yeah. you know, with income <laughs> coming in. Well, I mean, it does work, though, because here's the thing is uh, I just hired my first employee, mm-hmm. so I'm really excited to... Who you is know, that? Uh, it's, it's a woman named Teresa. She lives out in South Carolina. Oh, wow. Uh, and it's... You know, I needed someone to pick up calls for me for my one of my e-commerce stores, and I was doing it on my own. And I was staying up until after midnight here in Chiang Mai and waking up at you know, 8 in the morning and calling people back straight away uh, just because the time zone difference is so crazy. And I finally just sat down and said, you know what, let me just outsource this. Let me just hire someone. And I'm spending some time training her up, giving her all the scripts and FAQs. Uh, but instantly, it's been a relief knowing that I can just chill out and rest and relax and not have to deal with uh, picking up calls. And once she gets trained up, she'll be able to uh, just you know handle that aspect of my business. And, and the, you know, and the best thing is, I didn't even realize how good it feels to be able to employ someone because she told me she's you know she, she just got divorced. You know, she's a bit older, uh, and she says she's been looking for a job for months, and you know nobody's hiring in the U.S. because the economy is bad. And she was so grateful that I gave her this opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. It comes back down to um, another spiritual principle, which is, um, I mean, if you if you live a small life, right, and you shrink away from from the responsibilities and the opportunities that growth and success bring, you're doing the universe a disservice because then you're not helping anyone. I mean, if you look at men who, and women who run large entities or corporations or foundations, they're, they're providing jobs for everyone. They're providing information for the world. They're providing services for the world. And I think that that's the nature of reality is all healthy living things grow, right? And if you want to grow as a human being, a very good way to do it is through, through your own business. And it's working for you. I mean, as you said, you've just made that woman in Northern Carolina really happy and given her a job that she might not otherwise have had. Yeah, and you know it's it's so fantastic, and just being able to give back. And the thing is, because there's so many people who have given me so much, uh, and I, I recently just bought a book. I, I haven't I haven't read it yet, but everybody everybody keeps saying how great it is. It's called Give and Take. I haven't heard about that. Yeah, so it's basically about. Um, you know, there's a guy, he's a Wharton School of Business. He did a study and he said that the top 1% of, you know, of the people that make the most money in business um, are are givers, right? People that like to give. But also, um, and then the, but the crazy thing was on the bottom 1% or the bottom percentage, it was also givers down there. How do you mean? And the, the difference is, so there's there's three categories. People are either givers, uh, they're what do you call a matcher, where they'll only give uh, if, if you're going to immediately receive something back from them. That's and just then a transaction, basically. Yeah. And then there's takers, that people just try to leech as much as they can. Yeah. And, you know, there's going to be some takers, you know, on the very top as well that, you know, do some shady businesses. Uh, and then there's going to be, you know, some everywhere. But the majority of people on the very top uh, are all givers and on the very bottom, which is crazy. But the difference between the two of them is the people on top, they only give to other givers or at that's least matchers, you know. Yeah, that's very interesting. And they will never give to a taker versus the people on the bottom 
they give to takers. But what constitutes a giver? If you see someone on the subway playing their violin, is that a giver? And you want to give them $5 because they're giving that gift of their musical skill back to the world? Or It depends on, on how, you, how you feel about it. You know, it's, it's somebody, like, for example, um, you know, I really try to, I really feel like I'm a giver. Right? And this is why I really enjoyed that book. Um, and, I, and I was like, you know what? It's $12 on Kindle. Let me just buy it, right? It's, and, you know, let me just read it because it sounds interesting to me. Uh, and I realized I'm a giver, but I hate giving to takers. So anyone who, you know, I feel like is a value leech, I won't give them anything. I actually, I'm actually kind of a mean guy to people who I feel like is a leech. But to Can you give me an example? Yeah, I mean, for example, would be um, when people email me, all right, and I get, you know, I get emails, I get a lot of emails, you know, from my blogs and things like that. And there's there's those three people. <laughs> there's the givers, the the matchers, and the takers. Okay. The takers are the people who ask me a ton of questions without offering, without even letting me know who they are first. Because uh-huh. they're right? too stingy to spend X amount on your book, basically. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, if somebody had most of the questions, I'll say 99% of the, of the, the questions are things that they could have just found on my blog and by using the search feature, or they could have read about it in my book. And I wrote that book for a reason. And so people can stop asking me, you know, these questions. And, you know, if I answer one of the questions, sometimes I do it just, I used to do it sometimes just to be nice. Mm-hmm. Right. But then they would come back and ask me another question and another question and another question while never, ever offer anything back. And by offering something back, I don't mean money. I don't mean time. I don't mean anything. I mean, offering something back about themselves. So the, the emails that I get that I really like, that I take the time to respond to, are people who se- send, me a, send me a message and they start it with, you know, hey, you know, I really enjoyed your, you know, your book or your blog because I'm living in, you know, in England right now and it's cold and it's raining out here and I, my goal is to really, you know, move out to Thailand and start this business. You know, the reason why, you know, you know you, you've, I've, you've connected with me is because of X, Y, and Z. And Z. And that doesn't cost them anything to send me. Mm. But when they send an email like that, it makes me, you know, it, they're giving me a part of their personality, their story, mm-hmm. and it makes me want to respond to them. Mm-hmm. They're, they're taking the, the time to use a little bit of mental energy to write a decent email or a decent message with an introduction and, and a little bit of a backstory, which is far easier than going, hey, Johnny, like your stuff. What's the answer to X? Yeah. And, you know, sometimes they don't even write, I like your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> they just write, um, you know, hi, Johnny, you know, how, you know, how do I do this, do this, do this, and this? And I'm like... There's this expectation um, that people who have some sort of public persona uh, should just give of themselves freely. And there's another expectation that if you're on the internet, your information should be free because there's so much free stuff out there. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. Yeah, definitely not. Mm. Um, but then here's an example. I want to give a shout out to Russell out in the Isle of Man. Uh, this is the guy who sent me a five-page email asking for nothing. He told me a story about how it's rainy and cold in the Isle of Man. Uh, he found me through your podcast and he connected with me. And all he and he offered to edit my my blog posts. And not only did he just offer that, he actually just did it. You know, he sent me, um, what, you know, like one of my blog posts with a bunch of changes, and I instantly put it up on my blog, edited it, um, just basically copy and paste what he sent me. And I was like, hey, thank you so much. You know, um, I'm sure the readers would really appreciate that. That's cool. And you know, because he never asked, he didn't ask for anything at all. I sent him a free copy of my book. Yeah. And. And then I said, hey, by the you know, afterwards, I didn't even think about it when I sent it to him. I was like, hey, by the way, um, a lot of, you know, I know there's a lot of grammar mistakes in there. Uh, if you, you know, if you want to, you know, it, I 
people would really appreciate you editing the book. And I would have actually paid him for it. But he he just did it for free. He's like, has he done it already? He did it already. Holy he did shit! He edited your whole book. He edited a 180 page book in four days, and he did it very well. Holy shit! Which is insane. Yeah. And he he never asked me for anything. It's incredible. You know, and you know, so he is definitely a definitely a giver. And somehow I guarantee that you know by him giving so much, his life is going to improve tremendously yeah. as well. Yeah, I really hope so. Um, there's a a question that. I think everyone should ask themselves, which is, how can I give my gifts back to the world, right? Because that, in my opinion, is your ultimate purpose, is to experience and to give your gifts back. And there comes a point in many people's lives when they change their polarity from being that of a taker to being that of a giver. And I think it's a much more exciting, fulfilling life to be a giver. Yeah. And here's, here's a big secret to everyone out there. If you're messaging or emailing people or, um, and they're, getting, they're coming back with a really short answer, like buy the book and give me a link, don't automatically assume it's because they're a taker that they just want to sell you a book. Ask yourself and take a look at your message that you sent out and did it justify them spending any time on you? <laughs> it come, again, it comes back to another spiritual principle or, or saying, which is that the world is your mirror and it's reflecting back aspects of yourself. So when you see someone that you don't like, it's usually an <laughs> aspect of yourself that you don't like. And when you see someone you admire, it's very often something about yourself that you admire. And yeah, maybe maybe your email correspondence is a mirror to how you're being to them. Right? I like it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So Nick, you came out here to Chiang Mai. Mm -hmm. uh, what are your goals this month? Buddy, I want, um, I'm launching a new product with my business partner, a new medical exam, and um, just want to get that done. And I want to take sales on my Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood site. Um, I want to get another couple of products launched on there and, and treble sales this month. And I just want to enjoy all the, the good things Thailand has to offer because I've had a very intense year. Um, I've been, I literally have not stopped traveling for a long time, almost almost nine or ten months. And I'm a little bit burnt out. And it's really nice to have my own nice hotel room and two-hour massage every day and good food and sun and be surrounded by you guys and it's a nice slower pace of life here than it is in the average big metropolis so um as we as i said that there's a dog running by with a, <laughs> with a carrier bag in its mouth, <laughs> it's mouth. yeah it's yeah, great that was hysterical and there's a little wind chime blowing just above us yeah i mean life really could not be better out yeah, here it's pretty um, good it's nick's pretty good. daily schedule is he gets a two-hour massage and does two hours of yoga every day yeah, it's fantastic. It's the life I always dreamed of. As I said back in the beginning of the podcast, to paraphrase it slightly, I my life is a dream that I don't want to wake up from. And I know that there's, for a lot of the listeners, you seem you sometimes feel that you're on the outside looking in. I remember for many years, I was like, why can't I sell stuff online? Or why can't I have an online business? And Or, or what's it going to take to do that? And the answer is you can, right? It's, it's just going to take effort and persistence. But the goal is achievable. And one day you wake up and you're living your dream. But the most important thing is take the first step. Absolutely. And so if, if I was going to ask you, you know, before we wrap this up, what are three actionable items that people can take today? And it doesn't have, have to specifically be about business or making money, but just to make their entire lives better, what would you suggest? Um, the first one without question is meditation. I think that that is that is the foundation that I base my whole life upon. I have a few pillars. One of them is meditation. Another one is gratitude. I think if you um, meditate and get to the point where you can disassociate yourself from your ego and, and the monkey mind, that chattering voice in your head that sometimes doesn't serve you, 
um, you become much happier, calmer, more composed person, and then all subsequent decisions you make are, are made from a better place. And another one is, is, as I said, gratitude. When you live your life from a standpoint of gratitude and you're grateful for everything in your life, life just gets better, right? Life, life tastes better with gratitude and meditation, I guess. And uh, did you say three things? Yeah. Um, the third one would be... Wow, that's a good one. Yoga. <laughs> I knew you didn't want to hear that, but um, well, I know you didn't want to hear that. But f- like, I'm really big into f- uh, working out and being physical, and I'm huge into yoga now. It's made a big improvement to my my life, especially my posture and my breathing, and it's also made me happy and healthier. So, uh, what type of yoga do you, do you do again? Man, I I dabble with all kinds, but I focus on Ashtanga, which is quite an intense type. Um, but just go to any yoga class and, and try it out. There's whole many, many different kinds. You'll find one that, that resonates with you. And uh, I know I know we talked about this briefly before, but I, I'm a, I highly, highly believe in balance. And for me, uh, I actually did yoga for the last two months when I was in the U.S. Mm-hmm. really exclusively. But it was because for the eight months before that, I was doing nothing but Muay Thai and CrossFit, mm-hmm. which were you know really on the opposite end of the spectrum. And I feel like the reason why I benefited from, from yoga so much is because I was so unbalanced where I did all these, you know, these tough competitive, you know, s- sports. Uh, and I needed that, I guess, that mental clarity, that, stre- that stretch, that core strength mm-hmm. that yoga provided. And, you know, do you, do you believe that there's a chance that it's because, you know, you did all this, you know, you know all, all this high level jujitsu for so long that, you know, that's what is really driving you towards the, the other side with meditation and uh, yoga right now? Um, when it comes to driving me to the to the other side, I mean, it, not towards meditation, but towards yoga. Like, if we speak just from the physical aspect, my body was really fucked up from years of weight training and um, jiu-jitsu and just not stretching properly. And yoga is really helping to correct those imbalances. But I also think that thinking in that sort of polarity is is maybe not a good way and uh, not a good thing to do because I feel that yoga will give you everything you need from a physical standpoint if you do uh, especially dynamic flow styles of yoga like ashtanga you will get the cardiovascular workout because your heart will be working during the inversions and when you have your arms over your head it's going to give your heart a good workout you'll get the stretch you'll get the core strength you also get the, the the strength of the prime movers the big muscles in your legs and your, your chest and your back and your glutes from holding certain postures and th- those will get strengthened it's for me it's the complete system of exercise i don't need anything else so um i don't think of it as a f- as the other end of the spectrum i think of it as a complete holistic exercise system all right and you know while i have you on on the podcast i really want to pick your brain just briefly about jujitsu because you know I know you've been doing it for so many years that it's hard to kind of remember how excited you were in the beginning when you first got into it and you first got started with it. Uh, but I want you to just take a second to, to think back and just put yourself in the shoes of a beginner who, you know, has just realized the benefits of it. Interesting. Okay. Is there anything specific? Yeah. And just, you know, if someone, let's say someone's listening to this and they are just going to get started with jiu-jitsu or thinking about doing it, what would you recommend? Well... I said to one of my yoga teachers the other day, I said, um, I'm just frustrated because I feel so far away from where I should be. It's, it's, I, I didn't enjoy being a beginner. And, and she said to me, uh, there's an expression she quoted, I think it's a Zen or a Buddhist expression, which is, the beginner sees many opportunities for growth, but the master sees few. And if you keep that in mind when you start anything, whether it be your online business or jiu-jitsu or learning to play a musical instrument or whatever it is, you start to realize that it's the actual process of becoming good 
and learning that is the enjoyment. It's the journey that's the enjoyment. It's not the final goal. And very often the final goal of mastering something is underwhelming. And uh, I would say focus on that. Focus on the process. Enjoy the process. Okay. So if you guys want to sign up for a jiu-jitsu class, just look for your local gym. Mm -hmm. uh, try to find, you know, a good you'll find it on Google, yeah. 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 If you want to know if your instructor's any good, send me his name. And I, I know <laughs> a lot of guys in the in the industry, and I usually will be able to give you an answer. And also, I'd appreciate it if you guys went and gave a listen to my new show, The Journey. And you can find it at thejourneypodcast.com. Okay, definitely. And uh, also the jujitsubrotherhood.com. Mm -hmm. There's tons of tips on there uh, for both people uh, just starting on jujitsu, mm -hmm. but also kind of high level people as mm -hmm. well. Um, yeah, bro, thank you so much for being Johnny, on the show. What a pleasure, dude. Everything comes full circle, right? Yeah, <laughs> it really does. I mean, it's five years ago. I mean, mm -hmm. I remember that, that first time we hung out, um, we hung on Phuket, ended up going to uh, uh, PP. Um, Colanta was it Colanta? No, I, I was in Colanta. Met you in Kopipi. Yeah. And I was out there with my cousin Jacob. Um, and when you're getting back on the ferry to leave, and you said bye, I said no, no, brother, it's not goodbye. It's I'll see you later. Yeah, I remember that. And we did. And, and we did. You came out to visit me in the U.S. a few times, uh, out in Thailand. And man, it, it it feels so good to have that financial freedom to be able to just and the time freedom just to be able to say, hey, you know, where are you at? Let's let's come hang out. And so for everyone listening, if you want to get started with the online business, just do it. I take mean, the first step, take the first step. I gave you guys, you know, go to go to travel like a boss podcast .com and look for episode seven show notes. I just gave you two ways where I guarantee that you'll be able to move out, you know, and, and build an online business that's profitable. And one of them is free <laughs> and not only free, it's it pays you a thousand dollars a month. Yeah, so why like why wouldn't you do it? Hmm. All right, guys. Thanks for listening, and uh, I'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, How to Choose the Perfect Niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week, and remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today, and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of. <laughs>